Welcome to today's program, my friends. I've been waiting for you. Have you been waiting for me? Today we're going to return to James chapter 3, and today we're going to look at the evidence of wrong revelation. How do you know how to discern if a revelation is right or if it is wrong? Well, there is a way for you to know, because in James chapter 3, we see the evidence of wrong revelation and the evidence of right revelation. And that is what we're going to study today. Don't miss it. Stay with me all the way to the end of today's program. But we're offering you my brand new series called Taming the Tongue and Discerning the Real Source of Revelations. It's five parts, comes in multiple formats, and the subtitle says, Practical Help for Controlling Your Mouth and Sensibly Discerning Right and Wrong Revelations. You need to order this today by going online or just give us a call. And it comes with a study guide so you can read it while you're hearing it or while you see it. I put a lot of work into these study guides and I'm excited for you to have the series and the study guide together. And we're also offering you right now my book, which is called Testing the Supernatural. We need to know how to test what we're seeing and what we're hearing. The subtitle says how to biblically test dreams, visions, revelations, and supernatural manifestations. And we're also offering you my book, which is called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. The foreword is by my friend John Bevere. The subtitle says developing discernment for these last days. Sometimes I know you feel you're standing against all of society, which seems to be going in a wrong direction, but that's all right. If you're different from everybody else, that's all right. We're supposed to be different. And even though everybody else may be seen to be losing their mind, we need to keep our brain in our heads. And this book is about how to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy. This book really affected me when I wrote it, and I believe it will positively impact your life. It deals with so many issues which we're dealing with today. So please order yours today, and you ought to order several because I know you're going to want to share this with somebody else. And when you become a partner with our ministry, we'll send you two books as our way of saying welcome to the partner family. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Jesus said, go into all the world and teach all nations. That is a commandment. But everybody can't go into all the world. But you can help the word go into all the world by becoming a partner. And in verse 20, Jesus makes a promise to those who go and to those who help others to go. He said, and lo, I'll be with you always, even unto the ends of the age. The word low in Greek means, and wow, it is amazing. My presence will be with you if you'll do this, even to the end of the age. It's a conditional promise, but what a promise. And here's the promise. If you'll go, or if you'll help the word of God to go to somebody else, maybe you can't personally go, but you can do something to make sure the word gets to somebody else. Jesus says, lo, behold, wow, it is amazing. My power will show up in your life in an amazing way. That is the promise of Jesus to those who go and to those who help others to go. So when you become a partner and you help us take the teaching of the Bible to people all over the world, just get ready because Jesus says to you, wow, I'm going to show up in your life. That is the promise of God. 
And the moment you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. It is so life transforming. And my book called Life in the Combat Zone, which is dedicated to our partners. I'm not prophesying a combat zone to you. I'm sure you're already dealing with something. But the subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Any Difficult Situation. And this book is dedicated to partners. So the moment you become a partner, we're going to send these two books to you as our way of saying welcome to the family. And if you need prayer, give us a call right now. We are waiting this very moment for the telephone to ring or for your email to show up in our inbox so we can begin to release our faith intelligently with knowledge praying effectively for God to move in your life, and He will. But we need to know how to pray. And if you don't have anybody else to reach out to, reach out to us. We're waiting to hear from you right now. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Reach for your Bible. We always use the Bible in this program. And today we're going to return to James chapter 3 and verse 1, where James says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Let's go back to that word masters for a moment. This is very pivotal to what I'm going to be sharing with you today. That word masters in the Greek is the word didaskalos, and guess what? It is the Greek word for a teacher then why do they translate it masters? Because the word didaskalos describes a masterful teacher. I've told you before, it is the very word used in the Gospels when the disciples called Jesus master. That is the Greek word didaskalos, really the word for a teacher, which here in James chapter 3 is translated as the word master because it is a masterful teacher or one who claims to have a real grasp on the scripture, and it is the Greek equivalent for the Hebrew word rabbi. And according to James chapter 3, verse 1, those who claim to be masterful teachers are going to come under a more strict condemnation. The word condemnation, the Greek word krima, which really describes a verdict handed down by the court. Now, I'm going to tell you that when you teach in a public forum, people criticize you. People write me all kinds of notes, and I appreciate everything that people write, but everybody doesn't appreciate what I teach. But do you know who I'm most concerned about? The judge of heaven, because heaven is very concerned about what is taught in a public forum. And if you say that you're a teacher, God's going to watch. That's what this verse says. He's going to watch every word, every phrase, how you use every nuance of every verse. If you claim to be speaking on his behalf, God himself is going to watch. God will analyze what you're saying and God will hand down the verdict as to whether you're teaching what is right or what is wrong. That is why it is so important to me that I bring you teaching that you can trust. I want you to have it, but most importantly, I know that God is listening and I want the judge of heaven to be pleased with what comes out of my mouth. Teaching the Bible is very, very serious. And that is why James says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Now, many people make mistakes with Scripture very innocently. For example, we saw in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 where the Apostle Paul said, Some are desiring to be teachers of the law, 
understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. And the fact is, some people are mightily gifted by God, but they're not ready to stand publicly in front of people yet. They don't have a big enough grasp on the scripture. They have a little piece of the puzzle, and they try to build a whole doctrine on one piece. You know the word understanding? is the Greek word synesis. It means a bringing together of all of the pieces so you can see the whole picture. And if all you have is one little piece, that's good, but you can't build everything on one little piece. You need to know how to put the whole thing together. And really, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul is giving these people making doctrinal mistakes a compliment because he says desiring to be teachers of the law. He says they have desire. And the tense means they're really longing and wanting to be teachers of the law. Teachers of the law, the Greek word nomadidaskalos, it really means scripture lawyers. Scripture lawyers. They're wanting to be brilliant with scriptures, but he says, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. You know, the man who trained me for ministry one day said to me, it's amazing to me that people who are going to operate physically, doctors on human bodies, have to go to school and study for years and years and years and years. But in the church, we operate on people's spirits, on their souls, on their hearts, and they begin often with no training whatsoever. Well, would you trust a person with desire, with no training, to also operate on your heart physically? I don't think so. You want someone who knows what they're doing. Many times, there are people with great desire, but they don't know what they're teaching. They don't understand what they're affirming because they've not studied enough to put it all together. Teaching the scripture is very, very important. And when you come to James chapter 3, verse 1, he speaks to anyone who claims to be a master or a masterful revelator. And then he picks up again in verse 13 and listens to what he says. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. The word wise is a translation of the Greek word sophos. This is a person who's claiming to have special insight not naturally attained. He claims to be a cut above everybody else. He has wisdom that's been divinely bestowed upon him. He says he's endued with knowledge. This affirms that he's claiming divine revelation. This is not knowledge gained by study or by life or by reading books. This is an endowment of knowledge. He's claiming to have divine revelation. And in fact, the word endued with knowledge in Greek really describes an expert, one that is highly skilled, one who is highly enlightened, one that is highly intelligent. He really claims that he's a cut above everybody else because he's been endued with knowledge. So James says, all right, if that's who you say you are, show it. And the word show is the Greek word deknumi, and the word deknumi describes something outwardly seen, something done visibly to authenticate, to prove or to guarantee, to prove by showing, to display or to show off or to demonstrate. James says, if you really have wisdom that's been given to you from above, then prove it. That's really what it means. And how do you prove it? You don't just prove it with your words, you prove it with your entire life. And that's why he adds, let him show it out of a good conversation. The word good, the Greek word kalos, describes something that is noble. The word conversation, the Greek word anastrophe, 
It describes a person's conversation verbally, their lifestyle. The word anastrophe, translated conversation, really depicts a person's rising up, they're sitting down, they're going in, they're going out, their total lifestyle. He says, if you really are so smart, if you've really received such divine revelation, authenticate it, prove it, demonstrate it by the noble way that you live. And he says, your works will be accompanied with meekness of wisdom. That's so very important because the word meekness depicts the attitude or the demeanor, listen to this, of a person who is forbearing, patient, slow to anger. It was used in a medical sense to denote soothing medication to calm the angry mind or one so gentle and mild that he became soothing medication for a troubling or unsettling situation, one that was warm, patient, kind, and gentle, which means real heavenly revelation does not just force itself on everybody else. And then he goes on and he says in verse 14, but, but, if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom, verse 15, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, it is sensual, it is devilish. Devilish, that's a strong statement. But hey, look back at verse 14. He says, but if you have, better envying and strive. The word have is a form of the word echo. The word echo means to have, to hold, to possess, or to have in your possession. Or James says, if you're one that has in your possession, bitter envying and strife. Well, the word bitter, the Greek word pikria, it's a horrible word. The word pikria denotes an inner poison, an inner poison that eventually causes one to become unkind, sharp, sour, sarcastic, cynical, mocking, contemptuous, and even wounding with his words, his words. The word envying, bitter envying, the word envying is a translation of the Greek word zealous. Oh my. It describes a self-consumed person who's driven to see his agenda adopted. One who is competitive, it denotes one upset because someone else achieved more or received more than he got. One who is jealous, envious, resentful, and filled with ill will for the one who got what he wanted. It really means to be irritated, infuriated, irate, annoyed, provoked, and fuming. It pictures one that is incensed about something. That's what this word envying means. And the word strife, well, listen to this, is the Greek word aretheia. That is a terrible word. It is the very word used in the Greek language of the first century to describe a political party, a political party. Well, political parties are fine in a democracy, but they're not fine in the church. Listen to what it means. It is often translated a party spirit because of its connection to political systems and political parties. It pictures individuals or groups of people who push their agenda and ideas, fighting fiercely to see their platform adopted. It is a self-seeking ambition that is more concerned about itself and the fulfillment of its own wants, desires, and pleasures than it is in meeting the needs of others. It pictures one so bent 
on getting what he wants that he is willing to do anything, say anything, and sacrifice any standard rule or relationship to achieve his goal. It is a selfish, self-focused attitude that is engrossed with his own desires and ambitions, one so self-consumed that he's blinded to the desires or ambitions of others. It pictures a person that is jockeying for some kind of position. And we see this very word used in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And listen to what Paul writes in verse 10. He's writing to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians are having a big fight in their church. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. By the way, when he says perfectly joined together, the phrase that is used there in Greek is so significant because it describes a time of restoration after a civil war, when brother has fought brother and family has fought family, they've torn everything up. Perfectly joined together means return to a position of civility. It's time for you to put the weapons away and begin adding restoration and order to the church again. That tells us what kind of fight was going on inside the church of Corinth. They had had a civil war. And then he tells us what the civil war was. In verse 11, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the household of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. That word contentions is the same word erotheia, the same word which we have already seen, bitter envy and strife. That's the word strife, which is the word for a political party, various factions warring against each other, each trying to promote their own agenda at the expense of the others. And that's why he adds in verse 12, Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas. Is Christ divided? The church of Corinth had divided into political parties. This is not acceptable for the church, any church in any age. And where that kind of spirit is at work, it is not of God and it is evidence that whatever they're promoting, it did not come from heaven. In fact, let's continue. Listen to what James says next. If you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, the Greek literally says in your hearts, indicating this is a heart issue. This is an issue of the heart. He says, glory not and lie not against the truth. Glory not in Greek literally means, listen, an over-exalting at the expense of someone else. Actions that exalt one and downgrade another. If you, in the name of revelation, are exalting yourself and simultaneously downgrading someone else, that is not the behavior of God. It fails the test. It fails the test. Then he says, lie not against the truth, because people who do this always claim they're moving in divine revelation, and they think that gives them the reason to behave the way that they're behaving. He says, glory not and lie not against the truth. Lie not, the Greek word sadomai, which is one who walks in a pretense that is untrue, one who intentionally misrepresents facts or truths. In fact, James then adds in verse 15, this wisdom toward wisdom the Greek word sophos, this so-claimed revelation, this special insight that you're demonstrating descendeth not from above, but is earthly, it is sensual, 
it is devilish. Descendeth not means it does not come from a heavenly realm, but it is earthly. The word earthly is the Greek word epigeos. The word epi means upon. The word geos is from geos. It's the Greek word for the earth. It means it's right off the face of the earth. This is just from an earthly realm. Then he says it is sensual. The word sensual, the Greek word sukikas, it means soulish or belonging to the soulish dimension. And many times people move in a soulish realm and people think that it is spiritual. But this is soulish and the soulish realm is where demon spirits operate. And that is why he goes on to say it is devilish. The Greek word devilish means it is demonic, it is demon-like, or this kind of behavior is influenced by demons. Then he says in James 3, verse 16, For where envying and strife is, envying, a fierce desire to promote your own ideas and your own beliefs to the exclusion of everybody else, and strife, where you're willing to divide up into political parties and war and fight and build factions inside the church. He says there is confusion and every evil work. The word confusion describes anarchy, chaos, insubordination. That's what's produced by a wrong revelation. In fact, he says every evil work. The word evil is the Greek word phallos. It's where you get the word foul. It describes something rotten and stinking like meat full of maggots. This is maggot material. It's dead. It is decaying. There's no life of God in it. He calls it every evil work. The word work is the Greek word pragma. The word pragma can describe a deed, an activity, a work. But it is also the very same word used to describe occult activity or witchcraft. This is witchcraft. It's manipulation. In the name of revelation, manipulating and controlling and trying to retain control of everything that's taking place and downgrading others in the process. And the RIV of James 3.14 is as follow, follows. If you have an attitude that makes you sarcastic, cynical, mocking, contemptuous, and wounding of others, if you're driven to see your view or agenda <clears throat> adopted at the expense of others, and if you're irritated, infuriated, irate, annoyed, provoked, fuming, or incensed, and so filled with strife inside your heart that you're blinded to the desires or needs of others, if you're jockeying for an advantage, even if it's to the disadvantage of others, then stop these actions and attitudes that are being carried out at the expense of others and quit projecting yourself as doing it all with right motives because it's not true. Verse 15 would be, this emphatically is not wisdom that comes down from heaven, but on the contrary, it emphatically is from a low level earthly realm. It is pure soulish activity. And anyone who is thinking and behaving like this is clearly under the influence of demonic activity. That's the RIV of James chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. We have covered so much material today, but tomorrow... We're going to see the evidence of right revelation. I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. Who controls you? You or your mouth? If you're tired of your mouth running all the time and saying things you later regret, it's time for you to learn how to tame the tongue. And if you're also trying to discern if what you're hearing on the TV and Internet is right or wrong revelation, it's high time for you to know how to figure out if you should eat or reject what you're listening to. 
In this five-part series by Rick Renner, Taming the Tongue and Discerning the Real Source of Revelations, you'll learn how to start letting the Holy Spirit tame your tongue, how to use your tongue to help and not hurt, the biblical evidence to prove a so-called revelation comes from a wrong spirit, the biblical evidence to prove a revelation has its origin in heaven, available in digital or physical formats. This five-part series can be yours starting at just $10. In addition, we're also offering you the books Testing the Supernatural for $13 and How to Keep Your Head On Straight in a World Gone Crazy for $20. In these books, you'll learn how to test what you're listening to and how to keep your head on straight in a world that seems to be getting crazier all the time. Don't miss this special offer, the series Taming the Tongue and Discerning the Real Source of Revelations, and the books Testing the Supernatural and How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Friends, this is Rick Renner. I want to give you a good report. It is amazing, but we just signed the papers to purchase our new building in Tulsa, a new headquarters for our ministry. We've been in the same location for years and years and years, and we've outgrown it. And because so many people are reaching out to us for more teaching and for prayer and for ministry, we need more space so we can effectively minister to them. And at the same time, we're constructing our studio in Moscow, where we're going to be filming the most wonderful Bible teaching programs that touch people all over the world. But the only reason we're able to do all of this at one time is because of people like you that are members of our giving team. And because of your gifts, we're able to do this in Tulsa, we're able to do this in Moscow. And my friends, I want to remind you that it's not about the buildings, no, 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 it's about people that need to be touched. We just need space so that we can minister to them. And I wanna say thank you so much for being a part of the giving team and remaining a part of the giving team as we get the buildings ready and put up walls and get ready to produce programming and to minister to people all over the face of the planet. And if you're not a partner and a member of our giving team yet, please become a part of our team today. Thank you so much for letting me come into your space today to teach you from James chapter 3. And I'm teaching from my brand new series, which is called Taming the Tongue and Discerning the Real Source of Revelations. The subtitle says, Practical Help for Controlling Your Mouth and sensibly discerning right and wrong revelations. Please order yours today by going online or by giving us a call, and it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you my book, which is called Testing the Supernatural, How to Biblically Test Dreams, Visions, Revelations, and Supernatural Manifestations. And we're also offering you my book called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. The subtitle says Developing Discernment for These Last Days. You need discernment, my friend, because we really are living in the last days. But let me pray for you. Father, thank you. 
Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you that there's real heavenly wisdom. That's what we want. Help us to learn how to discern what comes from above and what comes from some other source. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. Thank you for watching this broadcast. For more information on product resources or to learn how you can partner with this ministry, please connect with us at renner.org. Also, please be sure to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.